Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank You for this prayer that Jesus has prayed for us. And we pray that You would impress it upon us and plant it deep within us that it might spring forth. That the unity that Christ prays for would be upon Your church throughout the world. That we would evermore be drawn nearer to Yourself. And that Your church would continually be a faithful witness of the work of Christ on behalf of the world. That they would see that You have loved the world through Christ. And that all would come to know You. And we ask this all through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been reading a book. It's a book called Matimio, and it's part of a series of books called the Redwall Series. It's, a, it's one of these fantasy books. It's about a group of anthropomorphic animals, animals that are like people living in this great forest called Moss Flower in an abbey called Redwall. And in this particular book, a slaver comes along and kidnaps some of the children. And so the great hero of Redwall, Matthias, goes after his children. He goes after the children of Redwall to rescue them with a group of warriors from Redwall. And they gather up other people as they go along. And then eventually, Redwall itself comes under attack from a group of crows and rooks. These huge wicked birds flying in to attack the mice and hedgehogs and voles that live here in this abbey. One thing that struck me about all of these incidents that are occurring is the commitment that the villains have to one another. Their commitment is based purely on fear, on fear and greed. All the villains that are working with this slaver, this fox who is enslaving people, they only work for him because he's promised them glorious riches and he is just wicked and mean and abuses them and mistreats them and they fear him now that they have come under his authority. They're scared that he will kill them at any moment if they do something that disappoints him. And the same with the crows and rooks. Their great general Ironbeak rules with an iron fist, so to speak. He rules over them and abuses them and mistreats them every time they make a mistake. He tears them down. He even kills one of them simply because they messed up. The villains in this book rule with fear. They rule over their armies with nothing but terror, with wickedness, with evil. And in that ruling over them, they lead them to do wicked things. They see someone has something and they want to take it. And that's why these crows and these rooks have attacked Redwall. That's why this slaver took the children from Redwall. It's because Redwall had something they wanted. Redwall had cultivated a life together. They had cultivated gardens. They had cultivated fruit trees and a way to live in communion with one another, in unity with one another. Especially with the crows and the rooks, they come in and they are amazed at this abundance of wealth that this Redwall Abbey has. The food that they have and the way that they are able to just simply be at peace. And the rooks and the crows, they want that peace, but they don't want to do the work. They just want to steal all the food and run them out of the abbey and have this protection. They desire to kick out the red wallers in order to steal all that they have, to take all that they have cultivated, all these rich grounds and food, and lay waste to it because they won't care for it. They'll eat all the food and strip everything bare, 
ultimately is their plan. And leave just a waste. But the red wallers, they care for the earth. They care for this ground that they have been gifted with. And so they work together in unity to protect it, to preserve it. And they continually look to one another for help and aid out of respect and honor. A different kind of fear. The fear that Samuel spoke of to the Israelites as they confessed their wicked sin and asking for a king who was King Saul, who became not that great of a king, and they begin to realize the error of their ways. And Samuel reminds them to fear the Lord. But it's not a fear of terror. It's a fear of honor and respect. A fear that comes out of trust in a God who will fulfill His promises and a God who will honor the things that He has said He will do. And that is where we are right now. Is this cultivating of the right kind of fear that flows out of love. A, a recognition that is not about terror, but about trust. About belief. About recognizing one who will do all to accomplish for us what He has promised. And that is what... Christ is praying for in this prayer. Here at the end of His, what we have dubbed and called the High Priestly Prayer. In the first part of it, Jesus prays for Himself that He would have strength to accomplish all that He has been given over to do. All that has been put into His hand that He would save all that God intends to save. Then He prays for His disciples that they would remain strong and trusting. That through union with Him, they would be able to endure through their days in the faith. And finally, in these verses that we heard today, we hear of Christ cultivating new life in us, cultivating His love in us by praying directly for you. None of us were alive at this time, I don't think. But Christ knew of us to come. He knew that there would be many untold numbers who would believe in Him through the word of His disciples through these first believers who are gathered around Him here during this high priestly prayer, who have walked with Him on these paths of His ministry, that through their Word, we would believe. And so He prays for us and He desires to cultivate in us His very life, His very love, His very self in us, that we would become one. Jesus says in verse 20, I do not pray for these only, but for those who will believe that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Christ desires to cultivate His love in us, that there would be unity in our midst, that there would be a new kind of life that exists, not one that wars, not one that strives against others, but one that submits to one another, one that clings to who Christ is and is changed by that clinging that they can then cling to one another, knowing that we are all bound up in Christ. And there's some deep theology going on here underneath all of this. For it is out of the very unity that is in the Godhead, the unity that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have, that Jesus bases this prayer. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Just as you, Father, and I are one. May your people be one. May they have an analogous life that is based out of us, that flows out of the union that we have with one another. The Father and the Son are one in essence with one another. They are one in will. They are one in determination. They are one in love for each other. 
They share a unique kind of life, a unique kind of existence, a being that is eternal, that of course we do not have as created beings, but yet Christ prays that as you, Father, and I are one, may my people all be one, may the church be one, may my bride be one together. And that just as you are in me, and I in you, that they mutually indwell one another, that they are so intertwined with each other in their very essence, in their very being. May also the church be in us. As the Father and Son are united in essence, may we be united through the Son to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May we have that kind of union that will cultivate Christ's love in us, that will cause it to grow and spring forth out of us. That is what Christ is praying for for us this day. The world may believe that you have sent me. That the world would see and witness what the love of God truly is. That the world would see that He is saving a people for Himself. That He is redeeming a people. That He is transforming a people. That is the work of God in Christ for His church to transform us, to renew us. And as He transforms and renews us, He brings us more and more together that we might be united one to another as we are united to the church as a whole. And as we are united to the church as a whole, the church as a whole is united to Christ Himself. And we as individuals are united to Christ as well. That we all have union with one another and with Christ through the church and because of the Spirit dwelling in our midst. The Spirit comes and dwells in each of us and brings Jesus Himself to us that He would dwell in us. And in that dwelling, He will grow and change and renew us. He will cause good works to spring forth. He will renew our hearts and our minds. As He renews our hearts and minds, we become more and more united to each other. We grow nearer to one another. Because as we are transformed, we become more and more like the image of Christ. And as we become more and more in the image of Christ, we come to submit our wills to the Father's will. Our wills become changed. Our wills begin to love what God loves, to pursue what God pursues, to desire what God has desired. That Christ has loved us and given Himself for us, and thus we are called to love Him and to love one another and give ourselves for Christ and give ourselves for one another. That is the prayer of Christ this day, that we would be united more and more into one another. But Christ continues In verse 22, he says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Again, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may see that you have sent me, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and love them even as you have loved me. Once more, Christ turns on this reality of the union that He has with the Father. He gives to us the glory that the Father has given to Him. He turns our eyes to Himself and He comes to rest in us. He comes to reign in us. And through His reigning in us, He brings us His glory. He brings us His strength. He brings us His honor and His majesty to dwell in us, to guide us and to lead us. But let us never forget that when Christ talks about glory here in John, it's not just about that glorious splendor of the heavens that he is talking about, but is the glory that is found in doing what God has called him to do, which God has called him to die for the sin of the world, 
to go to the cross, for there is where his glory is to be discovered, is in his work for the Father, his work for the world, his work to accomplish redemption and salvation for us. And likewise, if he gives us his glory, a glory that he finds fully realized and represented to the whole world through his death and his resurrection, then likewise, too, we are given over to death. Likewise, too, for that glory to be in us is for us to be called to die for one another and to live for one another, to pour out ourselves to one another. As St. Paul elsewhere has said in his writings, I am poured out like a drink offering for the people. We are called into that same kind of life to pour ourselves out for those that Christ has given to us, for those that Christ has brought around us. And in our pouring ourselves out, we will know that Christ is in us. And we will know that the Father is in Christ. And if the Father is in Christ and Christ is in us, then the Father likewise is in us mysteriously because of the union of the Godhead, because of the union of the essence and being of God Himself. As the Son dwells in us, the Father too dwells with us. And that will make us more and more perfectly one as we are renewed, looking forward to that final resurrection, looking forward to that final glorified state where we will be perfectly one in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and one in one another, united and bound up together, loving one another as the Son has loved us. We will love the Son and we will love one another. That is the work of Christ in us. And in that, it will more and more be revealed to the world itself, to the world around us. And it will come to know that the Father has sent the Son and that the Father has loved the Son. And the Father has loved the church as in the same way that He has loved the Son. And that that love of the Father for the Son that comes down to us, comes to us through the Son. And only through the Son. The love that the Father has for the Son is a unique love. It is an eternal love. It is a perfect divine love. That can only exist between two perfect divine beings. That can only exist between three the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yet, through our union with Christ, that very love of the Father for the Son is poured upon us created beings. It is poured into us. And how can we not be transformed by that kind of love? This great and glorious eternal love for the Son is given to us through the Son. And then the Son turns and prays that as the world knows that He was sent by the Father and that the Father has loved his church, that the Father has loved the bride of Christ. Jesus prays, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. I love hearing that on this Sunday after the ascension. Jesus prays, I desire that they also. That word desire is a glorious word. It's not just a general wish kind of idea, but it is a delighting. I delight and will and want for these that you've given me to be with me where I am. And where has Jesus gone? Jesus has ascended into the heavens. He has been lifted up by the Father into the heavens that He would be at the right hand of God, that He would be the King eternal, that He would be a man of dust sitting upon the throne of the universe. And He prays that we would be with Him where He is. Again, St. Paul in Ephesians 2 reminds us that we have been lifted up with Christ. 
We have been raised with Him and seated in the heavenly places. We have been placed in Him. And as Christ has ascended into heaven, into the very throne room of God, into the very holy of holies of that great and glorious eternal tabernacle, that eternal temple in heaven itself, we have been lifted up in Christ because we are raised with Him and we have ascended with Him through that union that Christ has with us through His humanity and through the dwelling of the Spirit with us that He has given to us. And so Jesus prays that we would be with Him even where He is, that we would see His glory, that we would see the beauty and the splendor of who He is in His divinity. That He is perfectly man and perfectly God. That we would be given a picture of what the disciples saw at the Mount of Transfiguration. That we would see the gloriousness of that divine reality, of that divine nature, of that divine being that is the Son of God in the person, in the man, Jesus Christ. That we would see that shining through His humanity. That we would behold this glorious appearance of the Son. He prays that we would see that through our union with Him, through our being lifted up into the heavenly places with Him. That time and space has been broken down through Jesus, through His resurrection, through His glorified state, through His being God Himself. He unites Himself to us and unites us to Himself that He would dwell in us and that we would dwell in Him even where He is in heaven itself. That we would see His glory, He continues in verse 24. That you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Again, the love that God has for the Son has been from before the foundation of the world, from before all of creation, because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the eternal one true God who has made all things, who has created all things, who has called forth all things out of nothingness. And He gives to us His very love, a love that overflows out of this Trinitarian nature of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This love overflows out of the very being of God and leads to the creation of the world and leads to the creation of humanity and leads to redemption for us. That we are given to the Father by the Son, that we would receive the love of the Father through the Son. The very love that has been from before the foundation of the world. And that love goes down deep in us and it will cultivate a new life in us. It will cultivate a life that knows Jesus. It will cultivate a life that acts, that seeks after Jesus, that sees what is wrong, that sees that we need Him, that we need His forgiveness over and over, that we need His renewal continually, that we need transformation over and over. That His new life is poured into us And we cling to that new life. We come to walk in a way that is different from how we used to walk. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know You, I know You. And these know that You sent Me. I made known to them Your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which You have loved Me may be in them and I in them. Jesus returns over and over and over in this prayer to this love between the Father and the Son that is given to us through the Son because the Son dwells in us, because He is united to us. And in His union with us, He brings forth that love in us. He creates love in us. He pours His love into us that we would then have love for Him 
and the Father. He has made known the Father's name. And Jesus will continue to make it known. Jesus will continue to make the name of the Father known. He will continue to make known the love of the Father towards us, toward a broken, sinful people. That we would turn from our sins over and over and over back to the Father. Just as we heard this morning from 1 Samuel. What did the people do? They confessed their sins to Samuel. Pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. He doesn't mince his words, does he? You have committed sin. You have done evil. But do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for Himself. The people saw their sin. They saw the sin that they had all around them, all the various sins that they have committed, and they added to that sin this desire for a king before their time before the time was yet right for them to have a king. And they pursued a king. And they went after Samuel demanding a king. And so God relented and gave them a king. And they chose the worst king. They chose a man who seemed like he was a good guy, who seemed like he was doing the right things, but then he turned aside. And the people saw the wickedness of their king and recognized that they had done evil. But Samuel says, do not be afraid. Do not be terrified of your God. You have done evil. But don't turn aside anymore from following the Lord. Return back to that path. With every sin we commit, we can turn back to the Father by confessing our sin. By knowing that Jesus has dealt with that sin. By knowing that Jesus has gone to the cross and put away sin. Triumphing over sin. Triumphing over death itself, which is the result of sin itself. And so Samuel tells the people and tells us today, do not turn aside. Return to the Lord and serve Him with all your heart. Be renewed in your heart that you might serve Him well, that you might serve Him in all ways. Don't go after empty things. And remember this, the Lord will not forsake His people. The Lord has committed Himself to His people. Now think that's the picture... That's the picture that I get when I hear Jesus say, O righteous Father, O Father, who has committed Himself to a people and will not let them go. O Father, who will not forsake Your people because You have made a covenant. You have made a promise that You will save them. Fulfill Your promises. Pour Your love through Me into Your people and change their hearts that they would turn to You through Me. Give to them Your Holy Spirit. Do not leave them as orphans in this world, but fill them with Your Holy Spirit. Let Him come to dwell with them that they may be one, that they may be one with Me, that they may be one with You. For I dwell in them and You dwell in Me. And this will create new life. This will cultivate works of love. This will cultivate love for one another and unity with one another. It will cultivate submission to one another as we receive this truth, as we turn from ourselves, from our old ways to the new ways of God as we turn back to His law and see it for what it is, something that convicts, something that 
does tell us that we are sinners like Samuel said. You are sinners. But you can turn back to the Father because He is a righteous Father. He is a righteous God. He is an honorable God. He is a covenant-fulfilling God. He is a faithful God who will be faithful to His people because He has promised to be faithful. Turn to Him and trust in Him and receive His love and be changed by that love. And we have this prayer to be our foundation, to know that Jesus is praying for us. He began praying this prayer here on earth, but I believe in His ascension as the high priest, He continues to pray this prayer for us that we would be one, that we would know the love of the Father for the Son in ourselves, and out of that love, have love for the Father. And through having love for God, our will will be changed. Our will will be transformed. And as our will is transformed and our actions change, our minds will be transformed. We will become more and more in the image of Christ Himself to love one another, to do good for one another, to bind up one another's hurts and wounds, to bind up one another with the grace of God Himself. And so may we find rest. May we find that Christ is working in us and tilling our hearts and cultivating a great harvest within us of love for one another and of love for Him that will bring us deeper and deeper into unity with one another, that will bring us deeper into union with one another, that we might love one another as God has loved us in Christ and given His love to us, that we might love Him and one another. So know the peace and the love of the Father this day through Jesus Christ for you, for Christ is praying for you now to know it and to receive it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.